0: Welcome to the Unabridged Podcast. I'm Ashley. And this is Jen. Join us for bookish episodes and check out our website, unabridgedpod.com,
1: where you can find lots of new bookish content to grow your TBR. Sign up for our newsletter to find out more about online book discussions and upcoming events. Find us on Patreon for extra unabridged content. Join us on Instagram and Facebook at unabridgedpod and message us there or see our website to get plugged into the unabridged community. You want opinions about books? We've got them. Hey, everyone, and welcome to Unabridged. Today is episode 266, which is our January 2024 book club discussion of Louisa May Alcott's Little Women. We want to remind you that we are updating Patreon every month. So if you're a supporter over there, you get some bonuses, you get an extra episode every month. And I'll just go ahead and say that next month, we will be talking about Greta Gerwig's Little Women on our Patreon feed. I'm so excited to rewatch that one. And we also have something text-based every month. So if you're not really a podcast listener, but you like to support us in other ways, then you can find that on Patreon as well. You can find out more at patreon.com slash unabridged pod. And we thank you so much for considering supporting us there. All right. Well, to start off our episode, as we always do, we are going to do our bookish check-in. Ashley, what are you reading?
0: One of the ones I'm reading right now is Shelby Van Pelt's Remarkably Bright Creatures. <laughs> Yay! <So. laughs> this one has been all over everything, so perhaps I'm slow to the party, although it, it hasn't been out that long. No. But anyway, I did still feel like I'm a little late, but I'm so glad to be finally reading it. I've been waiting for my library hold to come in for a long time and was excited to read it. And This one is an interesting, it unfolds in an interesting way. And so I'm not finished yet, but I don't want to say too much, even though I'm not finished, just because I feel like part of the joy is like there's a lot of different characters and you kind of are introduced to each of them as you go along. But when the story starts, it focuses on Tova. And she is an older woman who cleans at the aquarium. And she she goes at night. She's very meticulous about her work. She greets all of the creatures when she comes in, and then she does this really great job taking care of the aquarium. She has this very tight knit group of friends. <laughs> they're called the Knitwits, so <laughs> um, because they did they did knit in the past. Although they have continued to get together as they've gotten older, and with her group of friends, they're all like, "When are you going to stop working?" how are you still doing this manual labor and so there's a lot of discussion of that but as we get to see a little bit more about Tova we learn that she her son died he drowned when he was 18 so she experienced that loss much earlier on. And then more recently, I think about five years prior, her husband had passed away also. And so she lives alone. And so part of it for her is definitely that she likes the routine and that she enjoys the, the work. And so she, she does that and we kind of get to see her. Well, then very quickly, as you start reading, you get another perspective. And the perspective is of Marcellus, who is a extremely intelligent octopus who is in the aquarium. And he's one of the creatures that whose tanks she cares for. And you discover some very interesting things. Again, I don't want to spoil anything because I did not know anything going in. And I was very surprised by some of the very early things that happened in the story. But I just think it is such a fascinating book. And there are a lot more perspectives. So that's just two of them. But you get to know several other characters, even in other locations. And it takes a while for the story to weave together. And I am loving it so much. I think that it has been, I see why it has gotten so much acclaim, because I just think the perspectives are really unique. And in fact, if you have not read this one and you're doing the reading challenge, this would be a great choice for our category about an unusual point of view because of Marcellus and and his very interesting chapter perspective. And so, yeah, I'm just loving it. it. It is a book that I think lives up to the hype. And I'm so interested to see how everything wraps up. And yeah, it's been a great read so far. So, again, that is Shelby Van Pelt's Remarkably Bright Creatures. I love that so much.
1: Are you listening? No, I'm reading this one. On oh, book. okay. So, the audiobook is fabulous. It's Marin Ireland, and Michael Urey does the voice of Marcellus. And he, I did not know who that was, but then we watched Shrinking on Apple TV. And he is an actor in that. And then when we went to see the musical that's based on Monty Python and the Holy Grail at the Kennedy Center, he was in that show. Oh, wow. And is phenomenal. And he just does such a good job with Marcellus's voice. So (laughs) if you ever want to revisit Ashley, you would love the audio. It is so cool. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Man, it's been great. What about you, Jen? What are you reading?
1: So I am reading Adrienne Young's The Unmaking of June Faro, And I literally started this this morning. So I'm not very far in. I picked this one up. I did the thing where I went to the library to pick up a hold and could not resist looking at the new release shelf. <laughs> and I'd seen this one on Bookstagram. And so I picked it up literally knowing nothing about it except what the cover looked like. And that Adrian Young is one of those authors I've been meaning to try for a while, but just hadn't gotten to so far. A couple chapters in, it's great. So the premise is June Farrow works on a family farm. It's a flower farm in Jasper, North Carolina. And as the book opens, her grandmother who raised her has just died. So it opens at her funeral. And June out of the corner of her eye at the church sees something strange and we don't really get any details for a little bit and you get a little of her backstory. So when she was born, she did not live in Jasper. She was born. Her mother had left, had run away. Essentially. No one had any idea where she was. And then June showed back up in Jasper There's no sign of what happened to her mother. And so her grandmother raised her. The other big part of her backstory is that every generation of women in the Farrow family eventually goes insane and has visions. And once that sets in, you know that it won't be long until they die. So June has been seeing visions And when she gets back to her home after the funeral, she's talking to one of her grandmother's friends and she sees, she thinks she sees this man smoking on her porch, but the other woman clearly does not see him. And so you find out that June has been keeping this journal of all of the visions that she has been having because she's trying to keep track of how frequently they happen. Mm. So there's... Again, I'm not very far. Jasper's an incredibly small town that is out of the way of everything, but it, they are known for the flowers that come from the Farrow family farm and all of the people who come to this beautiful area, for example, to get married, one of their goals is to get flowers from this farm. And June has this sense of knowing that has also been passed down the generation's of like exactly the best day to cut the flowers. And yeah, so she just has all of these things that she knows that are intuitive to her and that she says she got from her grandmother. And that's basically where I am. So, so far I really, the writing is strong. I'm very intrigued by the characters. There is one thing that happens at the very end of my reading that I feel like is a spoiler, even though it's still early in the book. So I'll say that, but there are some explanations for the visions that I feel like are probably going to start emerging soon, but yeah, so great, so far, so good. So that is Adrian Young's, the unmaking of June Pharaoh. I <laughs> was once again a victim of the library's new release shelf.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I have seen that one a lot. The cover is intriguing. Yes, and seeing a lot of it definitely mm-hmm. makes me wonder
1: about it too. Yeah, well, I will. I will let you know. So. <laughs> All right. Well, we are going to move on to our book club discussion. So we are doing Louisa May Alcott's Little Women, which is, I would say, a classic. And here's the synopsis, though. I do feel like most people know what this one's about. Louisa May Alcott's Little Women tells the story of four very different sisters based on Alcott's own family growing up in New England during the Civil War. The novel covers their childhood as each sister strives to find her best place in their family and into their adulthood as they find their individual paths, which they take them to family and career and love. So I think as we hit overall impressions, we should also talk about our past history with Little Women, if that's okay, Ashley. And because I definitely think that probably affected each of our reading. So yeah, but what were your overall impressions? Uh, as far as history with it, I think
0: that probably my only, I mean, I knew about it as a kid, but definitely did not read it. And so I think my only experience with it was the adaptation where No Writer is Joe. And I remember enjoying that, but I also remember very vividly that Beth dies.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: and I feel like that is like the thing. That yeah. I, and I, I loved Claire Danes. And so... I think I can still kind of viscerally remember, like, the scenes where she was ill. So that is the thing that I took away from that watching, I would Mm -hmm. say. And then since then, I really haven't read it. So I was excited to give it a try. And I did enjoy it. I will say, oh, my gosh, it is long. Yes. (laughs) It and really I long. just, and I was reading it at a transitional time for myself. So then I was very aware of just how long that book is. And so, <laughs> and so overall, I mean, there were a lot of things I really loved and I love Joe's character and I love the way the sisters have the dynamics between them. And so there's certainly some things that I'm excited to talk about, but I had thought I might read it with my kids. And then when I read it, I was like. Oh, my gosh, this thing goes on forever. And I think that it's possible that, like myself, the thing that they would remember is the really sad circumstance that Beth passes away. Which, again, I mean, set in the Civil War era, I mean, of course, that happens. And honestly, I couldn't remember how that all unfolded. Mm -hmm. And so it was a relief when she got through the Scarlet Fever. Early on, because all I could remember was that that was the inevitable outcome. But you know, it does happen much much later than I initially thought. In the re, you know, in the reading of it now, I was like, oh no, already. And then we see her recover, but then have these lasting effects, which I think again is very, tip- you know, typical of illness of the time period. But it is sad. Yeah, and I did. I also really appreciated the perspective of the mom you know seeing the mom's perspective and I think that was something I paid zero attention to when I'd seen the story before so that was kind of fun to see from a much I am much older now and have my own kids and so you know I feel like I understood that perspective in a very different way than I had in the past so so I'm glad I read it and I did enjoy it but I would say (laughs) I was not entirely swept up I was also like conscious of just how long I had to go you know (laughs) so so I can't say that I was like swept up and and totally the time just slipped away for me. It was not quite like that. But what about you, Jen? I know you have a much longer history with this.
1: Yeah. So I've read this. I read this when I was a kid. And then I think I've read it at least twice more since then. It had been a while. And this is one of those that because I taught the book that I'm going to have as my pairing. So I'll save that. For years, I showed the film adaptation, actually, that you were talking about with one and a writer, Susan Sarandon's the mother. And yeah, Claire Danes is in it. Kirsten Dunst is in it. Samantha Mathis is in it. It has some great actors, Christian Bale, Gabriel Byrne. That has been lodged in my brain for years as the Little Women's story. And so there are definitely scenes that are in the book that of course the movie cuts out because you couldn't have the movie be as long as the book. And (laughs) you don't say, yeah, (laughs) it would be like an Epic series. And so it was, cause they came back to me as I was, I listened to this one. It came back to me as I was listening, but I was surprised. We'll, we'll get to some of these reactions. I was surprised by some of the conversations, you know, that especially like Meg, her character, I didn't Yeah. Those scenes when she's an adult, and married are not in the Winona Ryder movie, but I love it. And I would say, so originally I was thinking about the length, the The two volumes that we read that are now considered to be little women were published separately because the publisher thought that they were too long. And so I think your response here bears that out. And there are other books in the series that I have not read. So I think little men is next and that's after Joe and Friedrich opened the school it's uh, about, yeah. So I, I might sweet. go back and read that, but yeah, I, I was like, there is that distinctive. I love volume one. I love volume one. I really like a lot of volume two, but there are parts of it that were little sticking points for me that it, it, it's totally because of my modern perspective. But right there were some things I had issues with in volume two that did not come to the forefront in volume one. So, yes, overall, yes. I loved the reading experience. I'm so glad we're going to talk about it. And I'm really excited to watch now Gerwig's adaptation, which I will say I saw in the theater and cried just because I thought it was such a beautiful and perfect adaptation of the book before even anything sad happened. I was just crying because I loved it. Yeah. So I'll be interested to see what rewatching that is like. So yeah, overall great, great impression, which I expected but maybe not as unrelievably great as I thought it would be. So Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, it, it was interesting. And it is funny with those things that the movies have become more lodged in your brain than the text.
0: Right, yes. And then that colors your reading of the text later on, which is interesting. But I can see that because Meg – in a lot of ways, is a secondary mm-hmm. character, you know, I would say Joe is the primary, you know, yes. and then Amy, I think we know a lot about Amy and like their dynamics between the two of them. And then we get into Beth and Meg and even Beth more than Meg. Yes. So I do feel like we kind of, in some ways, she is an outlier as far as how well we know the four sisters. But then we do get those perspectives that really dive into her life that sometimes, I mean, that to me, again, I mean, it has to do with when it was written and that it was written in multiple parts. But there were parts that like, it almost was like a second, like it would have been a spinoff yes. story, because you're getting something that's like totally outside of that main narration, you know, that I thought was interesting.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about something that worked for us. What worked for you, Ashley?
0: Something I really enjoyed that I thought spoke both to, I think that this speaks to the time period during which Alcott was writing, but I really enjoyed it. And I think she does it masterfully, is how we see the perspective of so many people, and we really see it inside of them, you know. And I I really enjoyed that. I think that it gave a richness to, for example, those little side stories with John and Meg, and you saw exactly what she thought, and exactly what he thought, and how that led to misunderstandings. Mm -hmm. I thought all that stuff was just really well done and enriched the characters because it helped us to see how dynamic they are and why they do the things that they do. So I, I just felt like, again, I know that, you know, some of that is just that omniscient narration was more common then, but it also was fun to see how Alcott used that to her advantage as a writer. Mm and just really enriched even minor characters through the use of that narration and just really letting us know the depth of why they do the things that they do and how they make the choices they do. So that was something I really enjoyed.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: What about Mm -hmm. you, Jen? What was something that worked for you?
1: Yeah, I think mine's kind of connected to that. I, I love the way... Each character, each of the sisters has an arc and they definitely grow and change. And yet when you look at the seeds of who they were when they were children, they are also so recognizably still themselves when they're adults. And I think that's a really delicate balance of having them, you know, like Amy. I think there's outrage that Amy is the one who ends up with Lori and I have different feelings about that, but she's really self-centered and really concerned with appearance when she's young. And it's not that she's not when she's old. It's just that all of that is fueled by a much more grounded temperament and by her sincere attempts at self-improvement. And so I think that's really interesting. I love Joe. I mean, I think Joe is probably everybody's favorite, but I just love watching her work through how to have a career at a time when that was not an expectation for women Mm -hmm. and watching her work through her feelings of her relationship with Friedrich, I think is really fascinating. And he's definitely not the romantic hero that most people picture. And yet he is so perfect for Joe. Yeah. I just really love all of that. So I know that was kind of two different things, but I'm just, yeah, I really like That And I guess this is because these were her sisters. So she does have that sense of who they were and who they still are. And yet how that has transformed as they've gotten older. And also just I (laughs) love (laughs) Joe. I did just want to say, it's really funny because I was having this random conversation the other day with a friend who was talking about how she doesn't like the transcendentalists because they're quite (laughs) self-righteous. And so I just thought Marmee is such an interesting character because I love her. But there are some of those conversations she has with Meg that really, I, yeah, I just don't love. And I think some of it, again, it's just the view of the time of women and what your role as a wife is. And in some ways, Marmee is more independent than most women Mm -hmm. would have been at the time. Mm -hmm. But some of her advice to Meg with John, I just bristled at when I was listening. And so I don't we don't have to go down that rabbit hole. But I did just want to acknowledge those parts took me out of the story a little bit.
0: Yes. Well, and even people's responses to Joe, I mean, because essentially, she did not conform to gender norms. Mm -hmm. I mean, that really was all, that's it. And everyone was, they were both accepting of her in some ways, which again, I'm sure was very progressive of the time. But then they also, I mean, everybody was really conscious of it. And then always wondering when she's going to like come around, you know, basically. And there were some ways I found that really endearing. And then other ways that I found it very limiting, like a really limiting view of how each of the sisters could be and so you know i thought i mean even the part like you said i mean there were things that i bristled at even as far as like her writing and stuff and then how she felt with the professor she you know she felt like she had to that she was like giving away some part of herself or like that she was lessening her moral standards by writing this stuff and you know i mean maybe maybe that's accurate i don't know but then it just felt like why does she have to feel that way? Right. Isn't it okay for her to tell whatever story she wants to tell? And certainly if income is involved also, like, isn't it fine and honorable to make income so that your family can survive? Like, yeah. what is wrong with that? Mm-hmm. So, I, def- I similarly, there were parts that took me out of the story, which I think is, you know, understandable. But I did some similar analyses as I went along.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, you know, they're quite poor, from some respects, you know, there's all of that about how much they'd lost. It reminds me of Austin a little bit, but they still have a servant.
0: That's exactly what I thought. It it
1: was very much like Austin
0: where like they had lost some social standing. They are poor in comparison to the upper class. But then they still, you know, have these things that are by our standards, not indicative of major poverty. Mm -hmm. And I mean, that's okay on I mean you know you don't want them to suffer but it does it sometimes it's hard to like have a good perspective on how hard up they really are and then again you know don't they want to make income if they can because we know that their circumstances are pretty dire so then of course so then there's that place of
1: privilege that you get to judge this thing that is the only way she because she's a woman can make any money yeah and and then like with Hannah I mean, they were also giving her a place to live and a family to be with. But I was wondering, does she have a family elsewhere? And yeah, Uh anyway.
0: I wondered about speaking of like, I felt like a lot of the characters were really rounded out. But I did think that her character was quite flat and limited. Yes. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that when she appeared, it was to make a amusing remark or do some cooking. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I did think that was kind of interesting, but.
1: All right. Well, we are going to move on to a quote. Ashley, what quote did you want to share?
0: I think I'm going to go with one for Joe. And I, I liked a lot of things about the way that we came to understand her, but this one is from Marmee. And she says, you were like a chestnut burr, prickly outside, but silky soft within and a sweet kernel. If one can only get at it, love will make you show your heart someday. And then the rough burr will fall off. And similarly to what you were saying, Jen, there were ways in which I sometimes got frustrated with the advice, but then there were other ways that I felt like what Marmee was really doing is giving her permission to be not just one thing. Yeah. And I think so much of Joe is her determination to make sure that she keeps up that gruff exterior all the time. And, that she can't show her soft side. And so I did really appreciate that because I felt like it did make sense to me that she would have grown up setting herself in contrast to what she felt every other woman, even her sisters who she loved, what they were like. But then because of that, she was still forcing herself into a really rigid expectation of what she could and couldn't be. And so I really appreciate that. And I mean, I I was sad. I couldn't remember how it worked out with Laurie. And I did feel sad (laughs) about all that. Even though I do think with Frederick, like you said, I mean, I think the match in the end does make a lot of sense. But I did I did not remember the outcome of any of that. And I I definitely thought that they would work it out, you know, as she kind of softened. But then I also thought it was pretty realistic that she wouldn't have necessarily come around Mm -hmm. to that feeling with somebody she had known for so long. So, so anyway, that's that's my quote. What about you, Jen? What's what's a quote you want to share?
1: I chose, such hours are beautiful to live, but very hard to describe. So I will leave it to the imagination of my readers, merely saying that the house was full of genuine happiness. And so that's after Beth wakes up and sees Marmy. But I just love that idea because this is something I think Little Women does so well, that it is describing happiness it is describing it and of course there are tragedies along the way but somehow it's managing to describe a happy family without it being boring without that it's trying to get at the little stories that happen every day like with the girls playing different roles and writing little plays and having their pickwick papers and like a little club just their own that are so they're such small little details but they are what makes sense a childhood beautiful. And I think I really love that Alcott is able to describe those days that are beautiful, even though she says she'll leave it to the imagination of her readers. I feel like that is what she's doing. The whole book is describing these little moments that are beautiful to live, but very hard to describe. So I liked that yeah. a lot.
0: Yeah, I think that's a insightful point And it really does get at the core of a lot of what's going on
1: in the book. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to move on to our pairings. Ashley, what pairing do you recommend?
0: I wanted to share. This is one I have talked about on the podcast, but it's been years. And this is Henna Han's More to the Story. This is a middle grade retelling of Little Women. And in it, Jamila is is Joe is the Joe character. And she does have three sisters and she is really interested in being the feature editor on her school newspaper. And so she loves to write and she's really ambitious, but then she also is trying to find her way with all of that. And similarly, their father is sent away. He, they all live in America, but then he is sent overseas for an extended period of time to work and so they have to find their way without him and and she does have a sister who gets sick and so she has to navigate that she she's really focused on her own i mean as a middle school student would be you know she's really very aware of her own trials and tribulations but then as her younger sister gets sick she really has to reprioritize and find her way and so I just think if you love Little Women, this is a really sweet retelling. It stands up on its own. It is a great book. But then I do also like, I mean, Hina Han, the author, said that Little Women was one of her most favorite books when she was growing up. And so it really is a tribute to the story that's at the core of Little Women about the, the four sisters. And yet it is a, you know, a modern retelling with A Muslim American family and what their experiences are like. So, so yes, that's Hinahan's more
1: to the story, and I thought it was great. Yeah, I read that after you recommended it before, and absolutely loved it. It is, and I've read others, a few other of her books now since that one. And really, oh, really? I didn't know that, Jen. Mm -hmm. I love
0: her writing. She's so good. What about you, Jen? What's your pairing?
1: So I'm recommending a book that I taught for a long time. It is Geraldine Brooks's March. And so this one's interesting. So the same, so Louisa May Alcott based little women on her own family, but Brooks noticed that Mr. March is really absent a lot from that narrative. So she researched Bronson Alcott, Louisa May Alcott's father and then wrote a book about Mr. March while he was away at the war based on Alcott's story. And he was a transcendentalist and did take basically a kind of like a religious exemption from fighting in the Civil War. But he did go to war as a minister. And So while he is gone, you get this story, you see the letters coming the other way, and you get this sense of what was happening with Mr. March while he was away from his family and also of his background. And Alcott knew, for example, Thoreau and Emerson. So Mr. March knows Thoreau and Emerson. And so you get this interesting commentary on transcendentalism. And there is a part in there where Mr. March... It's looking back before the Civil War, and he would sell books, religious books, door to door, and he gets swept up on this plantation and this whole other storyline. So there's a part of it that he's considering race and the situation of enslaved people. So, what I used to do is I would show the students that wine in a rider film. So they had the background of Little Women, and then we would read March. A, alongside me teaching some Thoreau and some Emerson, and it all worked together really well. And it's a great book just on its own. And I think it's really satisfying to get this vision of what might have been happening in this untold part of the story. So I really, I haven't read it for a while now, but I really enjoyed it. And my students used to really enjoy it and just seeing these connections start making sense. So that is Geraldine Brooks's March.
0: Oh, wow. I didn't know anything about that, Jen. That looks great. Yeah, it's really good. I think it won the Pulitzer the year it was out. Yeah, I was just Googling it to see if I – like, I didn't know anything about the author or anything. And so I was just looking, and it does look like it won the Pulitzer. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, she's great. I really – I haven't read her most recent book, but I really like her. She has a – most of it's historical fiction. And she has a really interesting way of weaving historical research into her books. So, yeah, I thought it was a great take on Little Women, new take on Little Women. We will move on now to our bookish hearts. Ashley, how about you? Oh, gosh. I think this is a
0: hard one to rate because I feel a lot of pressure to get very (laughs) high scores. But I can bypass it if you want. I I would say four bookish hearts for me. What about you, Jen?
1: I know, I think I'm doing five. And I'm not sure. You know, there are just some books that I feel like are outside ratings. And so for me, this is so tied up in my memories of reading it with my friend when we were kids and of the films. And so yeah, I think it's as much for just the place that's holds in my life as it is the book itself. Because again, there are parts that are not flawless. But my five heart books aren't always flawless. So I'll give it five for those reasons. All right. Well, we will close out our episode with our flashback. So we are looking at three years ago. So January of 2021, Ashley, what do you want to flashback to?
0: Well, one thing I'm going to focus on what we were up to with the podcast. And one thing that was really exciting is that was our first year of doing a reading challenge. So we launched the 2021 reading challenge. And we're just kind of getting that underway for the first time in that January. So that's kind of fun to think about because at this point, it's a pretty long standing tradition that we really enjoy doing. And then we also read Adib Karam's Darius the Great is Not Okay, which I absolutely loved. I thought it was fantastic. It was one that Jen had loved and been telling me about and trying to be like, Ashley, you (laughs) should read this. You're going to love it. You're going to love it. And it had just been sitting on a TBR, but we chose that for our book club pick. And so I absolutely loved it and was thrilled to finally read it. So we had that going on. And we used to do our awards in January. And so that was something that we shared in January that year was our unabridged awards. And by then we had been doing them for a little while, but it was still a newer tradition for Mm -hmm. us than of course it is these days. So what about you, Jen? What were you up to in January of 2021?
1: Well, so I was revisiting my Google photos and I was like, oh yeah, we were still largely under quarantine. So I will say January did not have a lot of like momentous pictures. We had just (laughs) celebrated Christmas away from our families, which is. It, yeah. it. I don't know. It feels like that was decades ago. But anyway, we got a huge snow. So I have lots of sled riding photos of my boys, but they weren't really back at school in any typical way at that point. So just having the opportunity to get outside, I think, was something to celebrate and they could go sled riding over. We live behind a school that has a great sled riding hill and being able to be outside around other people was still something that I felt a little nervous about, but it was nice to just see other kids and other families outside. So yeah, it's a weird <laughs> thinking back when we choose these, sometimes we try to avoid those times that were affected by the pandemic, but also it's tough to, cause it was quite a big chunk of the yeah. time we've been doing the podcast. So right. yeah, Absolutely. Anyway. All right. Well, thank you so much, everyone, for listening. We hope you have enjoyed reading or rereading Louisa May Alcott's Little Women. And we hope you consider joining us on Patreon next month to talk about Greta Gerwig's adaptation of Little Women, which is amazing. So yeah, (laughs) it'd be a good one to tune in for. Thanks again for listening. Do you have comments or opinions about what you heard today? We'd love to hear them. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at UnabridgedPod or on the web at unabridgedpod.com for ways to support us. To get more involved, you can sign up for our newsletter, join a buddy read, or become an ambassador. Thanks for listening to Unabridged.